Is the Bible intimidating for you to read? Do you need someone to help guide you through God's Word? Hello, friend. I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. The Bible is the best-selling book of all time, but let's face it. It can also be a challenge to read because it contains more than 600,000 words, two testaments, and 66 different books. But how does it all fit together? How do we clearly understand God's continuous story from Genesis to Revelation? That's why I wrote my new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Volume one based on the 39 books of the Old Testament is now available for pre-order, and I'd like to send you a copy. Here's Brian with details. Ron's new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, is now available for pre-order. For a gift of $30 or more, request your copy of the 384-page book today. When you order the print book, you'll also get instant access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The Digital Library contains 66 video sermons, 66 audio messages, 66 downloadable sermon notes, and eight ebooks. To pre-order your copy of The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, go to somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Well, Pastor Rod, I'm sure many of our listeners are looking forward to reading this important book. I know I am. Talk about some of the challenges you faced as you put this project together and tell us why this two-volume book can be such a great resource for those listening right now. Brian, I knew the ultimate road trip through the Bible would be a pretty big challenge to write as a two-volume set, as challenging to write as the Bible is intimidating for some people to read. But it was truly a labor of love, as is reading God's Word from Genesis to Revelation. I'm hopeful that these resources will show the readers just how beautifully the whole of the Bible fits together into an inspired and unified love letter from God to every member of His creation. Thanks, Pastor Ron. Stop by somethinggoodradio.org to pre-order Volume 1 of this great resource for your gift of $30 or more. Or call our offices at 757-276-1099. And if you would like to mail your check, our address is P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. Well, counterfeit Christianity has been around almost since the church was founded some 2,000 years ago. It feeds on false doctrine. It sows mistrust. It damages the reputation of the church that Jesus is building. Today, Ron takes us to the book of 2 Peter to show us how to combat this false gospel as he continues his series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Stay with us here or visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen to the broadcast on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. And while you're there, check out Something Good Television, Something Good Courses, Something Good Travel, and the new Something Good Digital Library, where you can search for biblical answers to your questions from nearly 30 years of Ron's Bible teaching ministry. With today's Something Good Radio message, Second Peter, growing in grace and knowledge, here's Dr. Ron Jones. Actor Johnny Depp played Captain Jack Sparrow on Disney's uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. How, how many Pirates of the Caribbean fans do we have? Arr, all right, we got lots of them out there. 
Uh, Johnny Depp has had his issues recently, which is why I, I offered to you know, audition for his part. Arr, I've been practicing all week long. What a swashbuckler he was. He, he made piracy fun and cool and very profitable for the Disney Studios. Modern piracy is also big business. Did you know that? And a serious crime. According to one study that goes back to just 2015, the projected value of counterfeited goods, that's what they are, or pirated goods, worldwide was a whopping $1.77 trillion. Pirated goods. You know, that fake Louis Vuitton purse or the fake Rolex, pirated, counterfeited goods. Big, big business and a serious crime according to the feds in Washington, D.C. Counterfeit Christianity is also a serious matter. Uh, it feeds on false doctrine, it sows mistrust, it damages the reputation of the church that Jesus is building. Uh, the New Testament combats false teachers vigorously because religious pirates are everywhere. They were there in the first century when Peter wrote First and Second Peter. And they're with us today. Uh, counterfeit Christianity, religious pirates, uh, creating an imitation of the real thing. Now in his second epistle, Peter turns his attention from fiery trials to false teaching and religious piracy, as I like to call it. Uh, from challenges outside the church, that was first Peter, now to challenges that have crept inside the church. In 1 Peter, he reminds born-again believers of our living hope in Jesus Christ, but in 2 Peter, he encourages believers to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter equips us to combat religious piracy, false teaching, and to combat those who present a fraudulent imitation of Christianity. Now the last verse in 2 Peter is a good place to start because it uh, sets forth Peter's overall theme and uh, his intent. It tells us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And then Peter adds, to him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity, amen. And he brings the book to a close. But all the way up to that point in the short three chapters that is 2 Peter, he's giving us some ways to combat religious piracy, counterfeit Christianity. The FBI trains agents to discover counterfeit currency by studying the real thing. Likewise, uh, the best way to discern false doctrine and religious piracy is to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And specifically throughout these three chapters, Peter is going to encourage us first to grow in Christian virtue, then to grow in the word of God, then uh, to take that and grow in our discernment, our ability to pick out the difference between a fake Louis Vuitton and the real thing. And then he's gonna encourage us to grow in uh, prophetic understanding in chapter three. So let's go to chapter one and begin our discussion there. Peter introduces himself as a servant and as the apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ and then tells us we should grow in Christian virtue because of all that God has done for us. And beginning in verse three, Peter tells us all that God has done for us. Follow along beginning in verse three. 
His divine power, he says, has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. It would take some time to unpack all of that, but with theological insight and with eloquence that you would not expect of a Galilean fisherman, Peter travels effortlessly through the realms of divine power. He mentions the divine nature. He mentions the precious and very great promises which God granted. Boy, what a study of the scripture that is, just a just a stand upon the promises of God that he has given to us, and his promises are yes and amen. In light of that, he expects us to live up to the reality of having escaped, Peter says, from the corruption of sinful desire. All of this God has done for us. And we do this by pursuing Christian virtue, moral excellence, which he lays out in the verses that follow, beginning in verse five. Follow along as I read. He says, for this very reason, in light of everything I just told you about what God has done for you, he says, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. He says, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For, whatever, for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten what he was cleansed from his former sins. I've got to ask you the question, are you making the effort to grow in Christian virtue. Are these qualities, child of God, increasing in you? Virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. Peter says the person who lacks these qualities uh, is somebody who might be diagnosed with severe spiritual myopia. You can't see God clearly. Reminds me of the beatitude Jesus spoke on the Sermon on the Mount. He said, blessed are those, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You shall see God more clearly if moral excellence characterizes you, if you're increasing in these qualities. Whatever happened to Christian virtue? Whatever happened to the pursuit of moral excellence? Even as I suggest that question, I'm not saying that being a good moral person will earn you salvation. Absolutely not. Salvation comes by grace and through faith. It is the free gift of eternal life purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. But as a follower of Jesus Christ, whatever happened to us pursuing moral excellence and increasing in these qualities? One wonders when you hear about all the scandals today. Uh, yes, pastors, but uh, other maybe not so known people falling away into moral sin. Whatever happened to that pursuit that we know as uh, Christian virtue? Have we forgotten that by God's power we have escaped from the corruption of sinful desire for the purpose of pursuing moral excellence? 
Years ago, William Bennett published a best-selling book called The Book of Virtues, uh, subtitled A Treasury of Great Moral Stories. And in the introduction to that book, he wrote uh, that he wrote the book to aid in the time-honored task of the moral education of the young. He drew from a rich depository of moral literature. And Bennett, who was a former Secretary of Education, inspired a new generation to pursue 10 timeless virtues. Uh, there in the table of contents of his book, you, you see them listed, self-discipline, compassion, responsibility, friendship, work, courage, perseverance, honesty, loyalty, faith. It's not a bad list. Uh, we are lacking today in the moral education of our kids. And we're reaping what we have not sown, parents and grandparents. The moral fabric of our nation is unraveling right before us. And it's because schools, well, <laughs> they took down the Ten Commandments. You know, the moral education that comes just through the Ten Commandments of what is right and wrong and reinforcing what God has already written upon the tablets of the human heart. You take that out of the schools, you take it first out of the home. Parents and grandparents, are you training up your kids to pursue moral excellence? Don't leave it up to them. Start with the Ten Commandments. Start with this list that Peter is giving. Talk to your kids and your grandkids about what is right and wrong. Up next, the second half of today's message with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And if you're listening to Something Good Radio for the first time, we'd like to send you a free chapter of Ron's most popular book, Mysteries of the Afterlife. Consider it our way of saying, Thanks for being part of our radio listening family. Stop by our website, somethinggoodradio.org, and click the I'm New icon right at the top of the homepage. That's somethinggoodradio.org. While you're there, share your prayer request with us by using the Explore feature at the top of the homepage, where you'll find the How Can We Pray For You option. Our ministry team will be happy to join you in prayer, so contact us anytime. Now here's Dr. Ron Jones with the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, Second Peter, growing in grace and knowledge. Long before Bennett wrote this book on moral excellence called The Book of Virtues, Peter urged believers in Jesus Christ to grow in Christian virtue. He says, largely, grow in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Step one is grow in Christian virtue. Are these qualities of moral excellence growing in you? Why did Peter start there? Well, perhaps to show the contrast between uh, believers who are increasing in Christian virtue and the counterfeits, the pirates, arr, who had no virtue. They were counterfeits, imitators of Christianity. And when you really drill down then and now, they lack moral excellence and Christian virtue. And he exposes the lack of virtue in the false teachers to fight against their false and destructive doctrines. But before he does that in chapter two, he goes on in chapter one to encourage us now to grow in the word of God. Uh, he continues laying the groundwork for his attack against these religious pirates by upholding the trustworthiness of God's word. Let's pick it up in verse 16. 
Peter writes, for we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesties. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. What's Peter talking about here? Well, the we to which Peter refers in verse 18 is three of Jesus' disciples who were with him on what we call the Mount of Transfiguration, recorded in three of the Gospels. Those three disciples were Peter, James, and John. Uh, Jesus' go-to guys, right? Peter, and James, and John were with him in Gethsemane. They were with him uh, when he healed uh, a young girl. They were with him on the Mount of Olives when he talked about the end of the age. And they were with him on the Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus uh, gave them a glimpse of his glory that shone forth. They heard the voice from heaven affirming Jesus, and they witnessed his glory for this brief but life-altering moment. And Peter assures us that he and the others who wrote the scriptures did not just make up stories about Jesus. He says, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Uh, A firsthand eyewitness is the strongest evidence you can bring forth in a court of law. And two of them were enough to seal the deal in a court of law. There were three disciples there who were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And then he goes on to explain how the divine uh, inspiration of scriptures took place in human authors to form the written word. You know, 2 Timothy 3.16, the Apostle Paul tells us that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for a number of things. But Paul doesn't tell us how that process took place. Peter gives us a little bit of a glimpse into the process of divine inspiration. Let's pick it up in verse 19. He says, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. I want you to picture the wind filling the sail of a boat and carrying that boat along on the water. That's the picture Peter has in mind when he's describing the divine human process involving the Holy Spirit who inspired him and others to write according to the will of God, not according to the will of man. He's giving us a behind the scenes glimpse as it were as to how that really happened how the Holy Spirit carried them along to write the words God wanted in his word. Uh, And in a way that doesn't squash their personalities, their individual personalities. It is a supernatural process. Peter compares the prophetic word, and he he has in mind here the Bible he had, which was the Hebrew Bible, the, the Old Testament. He compares the prophetic word to a lamp shining in a dark place. 
And it reminds me of Jesus who said, I am the light of the world. Jesus is the living word. This is the written word. They're never in disagreement with one another. It also reminds me of the psalmist in Psalm 119 and 105 who says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Do you know, friend, that we live in a dark world? We live in a a world darkened by sin and rebellion. In fact, the Bible tells us until we come to faith in Jesus Christ, our minds are darkened. And it's only when the Holy Spirit uses this uh, flashlight, this searchlight called the Word of God that he brings illumination to our mind. That's why uh, perhaps uh, before you met Christ and you had the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you read the Bible and just, it, it didn't make sense to you. And then when you came to faith in Jesus Christ, the light went on. It shines a bright light into dark places, starting with the mind and then the heart and the will and even down to your hands and your feet. Now let's go back to verse 20 where Peter talks about how no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. The Catholic Church uses this to suggest that only the church has the authority to interpret scripture and they sort of shun the idea of a layperson studying the Bible and, and, and interpreting it. Uh, thus, uh, I, I, I mean many Catholic people or former Catholics for whom personal Bible study is a foreign idea. They said, we we never did that in the Catholic Church. Well, this is why, because the the Catholic Church says, no, that's our job. The authority is in the church, corporate, so to speak, to interpret. Here's the truth about false teaching. It is real, it is dangerous. Test everything you hear against the infallible Word of God. Hello friend, I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. If you've been with us for a while, if you're a regular listener and God is using this broadcast in your life, I wanna speak directly to you. When you first tuned in or streamed Something Good, did you know that other people paid to air that program? We call them our ministry partners. They have people just like you in mind when they donate monthly to Something Good which is a 100% listener-supported ministry. Now that you're a regular listener, will you do the same? Will you help us share something good with someone else? We created the 828 Club for people who choose to partner with this ministry through prayer and monthly financial support. It's based on Romans 828, which in the message says, every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. I'm asking you to prayerfully consider joining the 828 Club today by giving $28 or more per month to share something good with someone else. And when you do, we'll send you some resources to help you grow in your relationship with God. It's our way of saying thanks for your partnership in this gospel ministry. So please join the 828 Club today. Here's Brian with all the details. All of us need help to accomplish the will of God. Today with your help, Something Good Radio will keep sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ through these radio and internet broadcasts. When you partner with us, we'll send you a free copy of Ron Jones' full-length book, Mysteries of the Afterlife, exploring its amazing secrets. To join the 828 Club today, please visit our new and improved website, somethinggoodradio.org, and use the Partners tab at the top of the homepage. That's somethinggoodradio.org, or call 757 276 1099.
If you can't become a partner but would like to make a single donation of $30 or more to Something Good Radio today, we'll say thank you by sending you a copy of Ron's brand new book, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. The first of two print books covers the entire Old Testament. Request your ebook today when you make a gift to Something Good Radio. Make a donation online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. And you can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. False teachers love to delve into Bible prophecy and make sensational predictions about the second coming of Jesus Christ. An obvious way to discern when you're listening to a false teacher is anybody who predicts the day or the hour of Jesus' return. Jesus himself said, nobody knows the day or the hour. That's next time when Dr. Ron Jones shares part two of his message, Second Peter, growing in grace and knowledge. Join us then for Something Good for Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio. I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.